Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 13, 1 to 9. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or who's 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and when he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any, so he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up all the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilise it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Thanks be to God for his word. I think that's one of the less cheerful uh, conversations that Jesus has with people. That beginning of the chapter is a bit sort of uh, bloodthirsty, really. It's all a bit depressing. But yet, we need to take this passage very seriously. For today, I think, around the world, particularly in the Western society, and even in the church... We seem to have developed this consumer mentality that drives much of what we do. And we're now beginning to recognise that this mentality has consequences for our planet and for the rest of humanity. Global warming, changing weather patterns and deforestation, unfair trade patterns, the influence of global companies flooding the markets with cheap goods and destroying local livelihoods both at home and abroad. Consequences for the people who we've always said are them out there, which ultimately, as we're beginning to see, become consequences for us, for our children and our children's children. Today is the end of Fair Trade Fortnight, and we're increasingly being asked to consider more carefully what we buy. Where does our food come from? Has it been fairly traded or has slave labour been used to produce it? You'll know that one of my favourite foods in the entire world is chocolate. I've been doing a bit of research uh, in the last couple of weeks about chocolate and I've become quite depressed because I've read some stories which have horrified me as I've learnt more about where some of our chocolate comes from and how it is produced. 
And I have to say that there are some brands of chocolate that I'm increasingly finding it difficult to buy, which is a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> There's some information here on the pulpit about chocolate from the Stop the Traffic campaign. And if you buy some fair trade chocolate later on this morning, you'll get a sticker um, with the little Stop the Traffic logo on it to remind you that not all chocolate is as ethically produced as others. There's a list on there as well of um, which are the good brands to be buying. And it's not just chocolate that we are being called to be careful about. might have the greatest impact on some of us, but uh, we're also being asked to consider the food miles that our food have travelled. Being asked to consider if our food or even our clothes now are organically and ethically produced. The poet John Donne said hundreds of years ago, no man is an island. What affects one of us affects all of us. And we're increasingly becoming aware of that. Increasingly becoming aware of how what I buy in Sainsbury's in Exeter affects farmers in Zimbabwe and how it affects my children, my grandchildren, their children, and so on. It's an important message for us to hear. It's also important for us to hear the spiritual message of this passage, too. Just as our physical life impacts on others and means that we're not an island, so too our spiritual lives are linked one with another, particularly true for us as Baptists, we recognise that we don't stand alone as Christians, that we stand together, that there is strength in the standing together, and that the health, the spiritual health of each member of the family affects the whole family. This passage from Luke's Gospel says that we're all sinners, and no one is a worse sinner than anyone else. There are not degrees of sin or sinfulness. That's not degrees in sin or sinfulness. There are not degrees of sin or sinfulness. We have all, at various times and in various ways, turned away from God. How we live with one another and with creation must be viewed through God's eyes. And God's call is for us to live according to his word. And instead of pointing accusing fingers at others, we need to look at how we're living our lives. God has communicated with us about how we're to live. He's given us his word in the messages proclaimed by the prophets, and he's supremely given us his word in Jesus, both in terms of what Jesus said, but also in how he lived his life and what he did. God's given us instructions on how we're to live as his people, and when we look at these, I wonder how we see ourselves. But all is not lost. This passage of the fig tree speaks of being given another chance. Um, If you've got uh, satellite television or something, you'll see that they have a thing called Second Chance Sunday. And they talk about, that's where you can see a programme that you missed earlier on in the week, again, on a Sunday. We used to call them repeats in my day, but you know, hey. Second Chance Sunday. And that phrase I really like, because actually I think that's what Sunday is all about is about reminding us that we've got a second chance. Reminding us that we've got a third chance, a fourth chance, a 52nd chance, a 
96th chance, a 2096th chance, God gives us another chance. He gives us another opportunity. That's perhaps not a totally faithful exegesis of that passage because if the tree hasn't borne fruit in a year, it's going to get chopped down anyway. But, you know, hey, I think God also does bigger things too. We've got another chance, second chance Sunday. But how we live our lives affects that. It may be that some of our relationships are broken. Relationships with God, relationships with other people, and that maybe we need to seek reconciliation to rebuild and restore. Maybe we need to say sorry for something that we've done, something that we've said that's hurt someone. Maybe we need to look afresh at the way we view someone. As I said last week, a few of us are doing this pastoral skills course on a Saturday morning. And one of the exercises we were invited to do a couple of weeks back was to look at our prejudices and how we pigeonhole people because of what they look like, what age they are, what they wear. One of the people we were invited to look at was somebody who looked not unlike Ed did when he came into church this morning. Hoodie and baseball cap on. Now, I suspect at certain times of the day or night, if you saw Ed walking around like that, you might think he was up to no good. He might be, but I don't know. You might think he was up to no good and that he might jump on you and steal your mobile phone or your purse or something. You wouldn't know that he's actually a pussycat um, and that he would no more jump on you and steal your mobile phone than fly. But we make assumptions about people because of the way they're dressed, because of their age, because of how they look. There was a TV advert a while back in which a woman carrying a large box of shopping drops her purse on the floor. And you can see the anxiety on her face as a young man picks it up and how that turns to relief when he puts it back on the top of her shopping rather than running off with it, which is clearly what she thought he was going to do. Jesus gives us plenty of warnings and signs to read to encourage us to change our ways and turn back to God. God longs to give us a second chance. And the gardener in this passage clearly thinks that he can turn things round for the fig tree. He pleads with the owner of the garden to let him keep on trying. Maybe changing the way he looked after it would make a difference. We can change our lives too. It might mean a bit of pruning or adding something to the soil of our lives. It might mean changing our lifestyle so that the soil in which we're planted is actually more conducive to growth. wonder if in the days of this week you can seriously look at and reflect on your lifestyle and see where and what you need to change, we need to change, in order for God's growth to come to us and his church. Sin. It's not something we're terribly fond of talking about. It might be something we're quite fond of doing. But sin has been defined as, well, I wonder what we think sin is. Any ideas as to what we think sin is? Going against the Ten Commandments, it's certainly something of that. I could do this, couldn't I, Ed? Can I do this? I can come and interview people. What do we think sin is? Is it on? Read to say it again nice and loudly so that people can hear. Going against the Ten Commandments. Certainly, I think that's part of it. What else? Selfishness. Selfishness. 
Any more offers as to what we think sin is? Greed. Greed. Something that hurts other people. Something that hurts other people. Any more offers? Any idea here what sin might be? No? You wouldn't know. Sin. I think sin is something that separates us from God. Something that means that our relationship with God and with other people is broken. Sin. Something that separates us from God and from one another. Spoiling friendships, all those things, selfishness, greed. The Ten Commandments talk a lot about that relationship with God and with other people. Spoiled relationships, separating us from one another.